This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. I'm delighted to welcome Acobrand CEO Boris Ellisman back onto OPI Talk again. Um, so thank you. Thank you for agreeing to, to speak with me this morning, Boris, right after your quarterly results. Hope you're, you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks, Andy. Uh, appreciate talking to you and to all of our listeners. <laughs> now, before before we talk about uh, the results uh, and your thoughts on, on, on the current year, I uh, just wanted to mention City of Hope. You are, of course, the current Spirit of Life honoree. Uh, and so you and your, your ACO colleagues are, are leading the fundraising efforts for the national business products industry this year. Congratulations, on that. Now, I, I know you've been down to, to California this week for an event. How did that go? And very well. We had a kickoff event um, and a City of Hope tour uh, on uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week. It was great seeing everybody. We had about 95 people come up for a tour um, from really everywhere in the U.S. and from from Europe as well. As your listeners probably know, City of Hope is a industry-wide cause. Uh, we, as a business products industry, join every year in raising funds for life-saving research. And uh, we've been doing this for 40 years now. And over the last 40 years, we've uh, raised over $240 million for this research, which which is amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, and we had researchers actually come to us and speak about what our funding was able to accomplish some of the trials they're doing mm. in immunotherapy or all kinds of cancers. Um, and they specifically talked about uh, breast cancer as one of the yeah. uh, kind of leading cancers that they're researching there, uh, as well as uh, diabetes. So it was, it was uh, great to hear from them mm. uh, how appreciative they are because, you know, we, we are the seed funding yeah. for their research, okay. you know, government grants or yeah. industry um, you know, pharmaceutical industry that, you know, doesn't support this types of things. Yeah. I understand that. Uh, sorry. Uh, I understand that uh, the fundraising efforts have got off to a good start. They, they are. We're, uh, we're at $6 million right now in, uh, our fundraising campaign and, uh, the best is yet to come. So I'm really encouraging everybody to, to support city of hope, yeah. Yeah. uh, to go to the website and donate or to attend, the numerous events. Yeah. Any events, any events coming up in the in the next few weeks? Yes, there's a uh, Bob Parker uh, golf tournament mm -hmm. that's coming up in early May, and uh, we'd like to see a, a big turnout there. It's going to be at Pinehurst, mm -hmm. uh, which is a you know very famous golf course. Uh, so we'd like to see as big of a turnout there as possible. Uh, there's also going to be a Henri event at Shore Acres in uh, Illinois here. It's mm -hmm. a top 100 course in the United States, and that's uh, July 23rd, 24th, and would like to see as many people as uh, as possible uh, there as well. Uh, and then obviously the, the gala that's happening on the September 14th, uh, like to see a, you know, a big turnout there as well. So there's you know, just, just a few uh, probably weekly events that are happening throughout the year Okay. in order to raise funds for the City of Hope. That's excellent. Now, I know we'll be featuring 
more, more of your efforts in the, the uh, in an upcoming issue of OPI magazine in, in, in the spring. So obviously we'll be covering more of that then. And you know, OPI is, is very happy to, to support City of Hope and certainly all the, the efforts that you're making with you and uh, your team at uh, Echo, so all, all the best for for all the all the stuff that you're going to be doing there for the for the next few months. Thank you, Andy, and thanks to the OPI. OPI has been a very strong supporter of uh, this uh, initiative for for many many years. In fact, uh, yeah. Steve Hilliard was yeah. at the tour and, and and spoke about his involvement and mm. uh, and OPI's support of of City of Hope. So yeah. thank you. Our pleasure. Now we're speaking. I think literally half an hour after you've you got off the the analyst conference call for your Q4 and and full year 2022 results. I, I guess it turned out to be at the end a, a pretty challenging year, especially in North America and EMEA. After what was a a good start, and as you said on the call, it was a a tale of, of two halves. Really, sort of any general thoughts on on last year? Yeah, you know, it's it's as as you said, it, the year started off really strong. There was a lot of optimism about economic recovery, about a strong back to school uh, in North America, people coming back to work um, globally, and we saw that in our numbers. Uh, we had a very strong first half, you know, close to historical sales growth that we saw both in um, the first quarter and the second quarter. And then, um, you know, really, you know, a couple of things that drove drove a big change in sentiment. One's obviously the war in Ukraine. And, you know, even though it started a year ago today, uh, I think it's really sometimes in late Q2 that the world realized it's not going to be a short thing, mm. that this is really going to be a um, kind of a, a, a long-term impact on, on all of us. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that it obviously drove is, you know, very high energy and food inflation, uh, especially in Europe. So the sentiment began to, to change substantially uh, in, in Europe. Uh, and uh, we saw that realized throughout the um, second half of the year in Europe. And then in in the U.S. specifically, and, and probably globally, Fed has realized that inflation is not temporary; that it's a uh, it, it's here to stay, and uh, started become really hawkish and talking up interest rates and really convincing the CEOs of the world that uh, we're heading into a recession. So even though they didn't say those words. The fact that they talked up significant interest rate increases has really kind of changed the sentiment of the CEOs to be much more cautious on investments, whether it's inventory or capital or people. And we really saw that sentiment drive the behavior in the second half of the year uh, in the U.S. Uh, and, and, and specifically, we saw it in, in inventory management by our main channel partners, they became very conservative uh, and really wanted to take, you know, take every dollar uh, out that they they couldn't sell, and then that's what we saw, especially on the consumer side. So especially uh, the retailers that sell to consumers, not businesses, you know, 
were very, very aggressive in mm. reducing their inventories. Yeah. So when you look at that, or some of, some of those factors, such as that inventory destocking, you mentioned there was a weak uh, gaming market, which is now more, more important for you after that Power A acquisition. And then, as you mentioned, the geopolitical and, and general economic situation. Do you, do you sort of, when you lump all those together, do you say it's a, a short-term blip and that longer term, those things will either go away or, or ease? And then linked to that, obviously, the, the, you're not changing your your strategy at all because of because of any of these factors. No, yeah, we, we do think it's a fairly short term. You know exactly how short, nobody knows because uh, it's a forecast after all. Uh, but certainly, we expect some near term weakness. Uh, but then, hopefully, as we uh, start comping last year at the, at the same time, the obviously the comparison the numbers will improve, uh, and hopefully the economy will improve uh, uh, as well. So, you know, we expect a slowdown in the first half and then an improvement uh, in the second half. Uh, you know, overall, we're happy with our strategy. We're actually happy with with the, the top line of our business. You know, it could always be better, but, you know, we grew 5% without gaming, which is, you know, a pretty significant organic uh, growth rate. And even with gaming being down 26%, we're up 1% at comparable rates. So, you know, sales, um, we're comfortable with where we are uh, on sales and we'll continue to manage it. You know, the biggest issue for us uh, was uh, inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw tremendous inflation globally. It was especially high in Europe, driven by energy uh, uh, prices. Uh, and, you know, we need to, we need to restore our margins. We have not, even though we've done several price increases, we were not able to mm. keep up with inflation. Um, so um, that's that's the big challenge, the big task for us in 23. Uh, I mentioned on the call, we did a January 1 price increase pretty much globally. And uh, we believe with that, we will, we will largely restore to where we need to be. We don't anticipate we're going to need to do more okay. unless obviously something else happens and you know inflation kicks into another gear. Uh, but right now we don't we don't anticipate it. Yeah, you also announced quite a major restructuring. I think that, that you implemented in the fourth quarter. Can you give me a bit more color on that, perhaps. Yeah, we 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 announced it. We are implementing it mostly in the first quarter. Uh, uh, we, we took, we announced it and took a charge against it in the fourth quarter. And, and really that ha- it's, it's focused on North America and EMEA. And it's focused on, you know, we, we, the product line is changing for us. We have businesses that are kind of in a cons- consolidation phase, and that's mostly in storage and organization parts of the mm-hmm. business. And that's been going on. For for a while, so we're consolidating some of those uh, investments or expenses. Uh, you know, where you, we had multiple teams, we're putting it into one team. Uh, that's especially the case in non-customer-facing organizations, so supply chain organization. We we we're doing a lot of consolidation there, and we're also consolidating some facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the facilities that are producing or distributing. Uh, some of these um, uh, products, uh, we have excess capacity, so we don't need all of these facilities. Uh, so we are 
we've consolidated uh, a facility in North America last year, uh, and we uh, are now gonna, we're going to be using one facility in, in, in Europe as well and consolidating the volume. Okay, that's a manufacturing facility, is it? It's a manufacturing facility, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think there's also reference to an office change in, in the UK. Is that the head office changing location or, or somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the head office. Uh, we just don't need the uh, the square footage. Mm. Um, so we're consolidating to a, a smaller but a nicer, nicer place. So I would say, you know, hopefully our employees will feel better about the new environment. Uh, and you know we could save a little bit of money as well as make make people um, work uh, more productively. We do the same thing in California. We we went to a smaller facility uh, in California as well. Um, and uh, you know I was there about a month ago, and it looks great. It's very modern. Mm. Uh, so um, we will we'll yeah. continue to do that as we uh, yeah. exit okay. our lease. Yeah. When you look at something like that, obviously you've got, I don't know, perhaps you've got fewer people working there than previously. You've also got hybrid working. So people are in the office three days a week. I'm not sure what your, your yeah, three days policy a week. is. Right. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that's, that's something that purchases of commercial products are, are, are facing as well. So how, how do you, yeah, you, how know, do you approach I, I, the, I'm not sure that's going to impact uh, really the <clears> impact um the sales of commercial products, you know, because people were likely to, to do is they're likely to go to the office for replenishment of their office supplies, whether they use them in the office or home. So I don't think it's really going to change substantially how much they buy, uh, uh, what they buy. And, and we're seeing that the demand on the, the business product side is actually okay. Uh, we are seeing, as I mentioned on the call, a trickle back to the office. Uh, so almost every month, the numbers are better and better. So I I, I don't think um, that will have a substantial impact on the demand. Obviously, if you're in the commercial real estate business, it will have an impact uh, on you. Or if you supply, you know, furniture, for example, to the commercial environments, it will have an impact on you because there'll be fewer desks, fewer chairs, et cetera. But as far as consumables and supplies, I don't believe it's going to have a major impact. Okay. I was going to ask you, in fact, because there's a lot of talk, again, on the call about inventory, destocking, more on on the retail uh, consumer side. I mean, how is the commercial B2B business doing for you? It's doing pretty well. The commercial B2B uh, is doing pretty well. There was a little bit of destocking that we saw in Q4, uh, but less than we saw on the retail side. And we're not we're not seeing much uh, this year, as you know they they need to buy what they need to buy to support to support mm. the sell through. So um, and, and and we also have direct business to business sales on some of our large uh, lamination and large binding uh, machines, mm. and that's holding up really well. We're seeing growth on that versus prior year. So the business to business environment I think is is holding up pretty well, uh, and the inventory there is holding up pretty well. Uh, the weakness is really on the consumer side, uh, and especially the channels of the customers that support the low-income consumers who are most affected by inflation. Yeah. Okay. Just going back to the to the restructuring, is it if I'm if I'm correct, seventy-five percent of the savings will come from SGNA. So I presume that's head headcount reductions. 
mostly? Is that how is that split between EMEA uh, and North America? Oh, it's probably seventy-five percent North America and twenty-five percent EMEA, roughly, roughly along those lines. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how concerned are you about the situation in Europe? Obviously, you've got this ongoing war. I don't know to what extent the the exchange rates also play play a factor in some of, some of your decisions. Obviously, the dollar has been much stronger versus the euro, which had a significant impact on on the top line and I, I guess on on margins. So, I guess the question is some some tougher decisions to to be made in Europe if if the situation continues. You know, I actually feel pretty comfortable with where we are in Europe. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting a significant improvement in the macroeconomic situation, but I think the worst for Europe is behind it. Uh, I think actually, if you look at some of the surveys, economic surveys, things are improving a little bit to versus where they were uh, in Q4. Uh, I think the energy crisis by and large behind us as we're entering warmer months uh, in Europe. And I certainly expect, you know, next winter to be a lot better given the additional time uh, to build out infrastructure for LNG or other uh, energy resources. So I think that's better. And and if I look at if, if I look at uh, Andy and our sales in Europe last year uh, on a on a comparable basis, they were down only one percent uh, mm-hmm. for the year, despite all of the issues that 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 we saw in Europe. So I think. Europe and our business in Europe is doing is doing uh, pretty well. You know, the, the challenge in Europe last year was inflation. We saw huge inflation uh, in Europe for all the reasons uh, our listeners know, uh, and and that's really what we are focused on resolving um, uh, this year uh, in Europe, and, and and we're doing that. You know, the other thing in Europe uh, that we will need to continue on is some of this. Um, Factory consolidation work mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say that's going to be a, a you know a gradual process that we'll have to work through. Yeah, is that uh, tied into the skew reduction strategy that you have as well? Some of it, some of it. You know, we we obviously you know lot, have lots of brands, lots of skews, and we just need to manage it and make sure that we are productive in our management of skews. But that's not the biggest uh, impact. Really, just the biggest impact is. Uh, Europe historically has been our regions with the largest percentage of sales in some of the kind of legacy categories, filing, uh, leverage files, dividers, things of that sort. And as the portfolio is changing towards technology, towards gaming, towards boards, other faster growing products, mm. uh, we just need less capacity in Europe to manufacture those more legacy products. And that's really what's driving, primarily what's driving this okay. consolidation. Interesting. I just noted down a question about so-called traditional pa- paper-related products and how you view those secular declines, whether you know they are accelerating uh, post-COVID with more digitization of processes and greater use of technology. You know, that's an interesting question. I think it's been a fairly stable, gradual reduction in the usage of those products. What we see, you know, we don't see an even deceleration. What we see is when there are big dislocations, we see a significant change 
in something, but then it doesn't come back. So, you know, we saw that, uh, um, you know, it, this is not from a volume standpoint, you know, during COVID, when people were working from home, we saw less usage of these products, but then once they started to come, they come to the office, there was not a big rebound in the demand and volume of these products. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and we think it's not going, you know, we think it's going to be a gradual uh, secular decline. So a lot of the volume gets offset by, uh, by price. So from a revenue perspective, it's a kind of a low to mid single digit decline. Mm. Uh, still, when the volume declines, you don't need the factory capacity to produce all of that stuff. And that's what's driving, driving some of this consolidation. Okay. On, on the flip side, there were some quite good numbers from Kensington, weren't there, last year? Yeah, Kensington grew 13% uh, and continued to grow even in Q4, which was a difficult environment, but um, continued to grow in Q4 as well. Did that include you know, with, volumes increasing or was that more price related? No, for Kensington, it's volume and price. There was very little price uh, in Kensington. You know, as you know, in technology, there's not much price. It's, 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 it's a deflationary uh, category, so neither in Kensington nor power aids there was much price so in, in kensington it was it was volume increase and in power a was a volume uh decline that's driving that and for kensington it's our fifth straight year of uh growing sales uh in in that particular category we have good cadence of new product launches there and we also have a, a model where we have an end user focused sales force that works with enterprise customers to create pull for our products, and then they get fulfilled through through dealers. So yeah. the model works well, and the business has done well. Okay, J just a quick question on Australia, changing ge geographies. There was the news recently that a large paper supplier uh, is going to stop white paper production altogether. In fact, it has already. Is, has that affected you at all in any of your your paper related categories? Not really. Uh, we don't source paper locally okay. uh, in Australia. Yeah, most of our products, if not all of our products, uh, are manufactured in Asia for the okay. Australian market. Okay, so they yeah. there. So yeah, I, I saw the same news, but yeah. we don't expect. Okay, it. just wondered effect. if that had a, a knock-on effect. Obviously, it, it doesn't. Couple couple of questions then, just to to finish finish off. Got my eye on the clock. I saw that your leverage ratio is times. 4.2, which is probably a little bit higher than you, you'd hoped for uh, yes. earlier on. How, how does that change your M&A strategy in the shorter term? Uh, we, we're going to be slow in M&A in the short term. The priority is on paying down debt. Um, so, you know, we'll continue to look because you never know what comes up and kind of the timing of things. I certainly don't believe there'll be any, you know, near-term deals given the priority of paying down debt. Okay. And then just to finish off, what are your priorities for the, for the next few months? I, I know one of them is, is improving margins. Any, any kind of positive things you, you can see ahead for ACO in the next few months? Yeah, I actually, you know, I, 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 I feel good. I mean, 2022 was a challenging year, especially the second half. So from a Comparative standpoint, I feel good about 23. I think our margins will get better. I think our sales will be, you know, stable for the year with declines in the first half offset by some growth in the second half. And I'm excited about the, the launching of new products. 
Um, and the other nice thing about um, 2023, you know, we're largely post-COVID. We're kind of uh, managing the, the world's being managed post-COVID <laughs> globally now. So there's going to be some recovery and just ease of doing business. You know, one of the things about 2022, you couldn't really travel to China in 2022 unless you wanted to be quarantined for whatever, five weeks, two months, something like that. So effectively, there was no travel to China. So we couldn't visit our manufacturing partners. We couldn't visit uh, our development partners because a lot of the design, even though a lot of design is done in Europe, the implementation into manufacturing is done uh, in in China. So uh, I think the opening of the economies, and especially of China, will allow us to speed up some of these uh, developments and to ensure that we have good product flow to support our business. Okay. Any scoops about new products you can tell us about? No, these are, you know, we're leading our marketplace, so I don't want to give competitive <laughs> information <laughs> ahead of its time. But we have we have uh, good products coming out. I'm excited. Uh, and, you know, Power A has good products. Kensington has good products. And then across our business product set, we have uh, excellent products coming out that uh, I'm sure will uh, do well, both for the end user as well as for our channel partners. Okay. We'll keep an eye out for those ju- during the year. Okay, Boris, I'll let you go. Thank you very much for your, your time. Uh, all the best for 2023. And uh, Hope to catch up with you in the near future sometime. Thanks, Andy. Much appreciated. Take care. Cheers. Take care. Thanks. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.